0: Ah, Yes, we are back on this Wednesday with vaccine researcher, family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. And Dr. Gorfinkel, want to pick up just one last headline on COVID before we move on to some other medical issues and headlines. But uh, Canadian vaccines, we're a little concerned out in B.C. that we've got a bunch of vaccines that are about to expire.
1: Yeah, that's not a, a rumor. B.C. has bled out that almost a quarter million doses of Moderna are going to expire in just the space of a few weeks. This is July 21st, they're set to expire. Now, as it turns out, BC has one of the most stringent requirements to get that fourth dose. you got to be at least 70. Now, keep in mind here in Ontario, that number is 60 years of age in order to get that fourth dose. You know, in Quebec, all adults can get it six months after the third dose. So BC has strict, you know, it's more restrictive than other places. In the US, it's also adults can get up five months after dose three. And rather than give it and spread, you know, you think they would expand the criteria, but are they doing that? No. Apparently, they're not planning on doing that. Dr. Bonnie Henry has said they're going to let it expire rather than let more people have the fourth dose. I'm kind of scratching my head on that one. I don't quite understand it.
0: Yeah, I was about to ask you, why would they not just bump up the uh, fourth dose then or uh, maybe uh, send it overseas somewhere? You know, you and I have talked about uh, vaccine inequity uh, quite a bit, uh, you know, over the uh, months here. Uh, Why not send it somewhere else where it could be uh, desperately uh, needed and used?
1: Uh, Unfortunately, COVAX seems to be a wash in vaccines right now, and they have let millions of doses of AstraZeneca expire. Recognize Canada's, practically all of Canada's AstraZeneca, so some um, almost 14 million doses have been donated to COVAX, and all of it practically expired. Very little of it got into arms. You know, and that's that's pretty concerning. So why are they not expanding it in BC? I was thinking about it. I, maybe they're worried that people are, are going to have vaccine fatigue. My own patients are biting at the bit to get their fourth doses. It would certainly make sense to provide them to health care workers. Many of us are, are months and months behind from the time that we received our third dose. And we know that, you know, we could potentially be contagious to other people. So why not at least expand it to health care workers is a big question in my own mind. I can't answer
0: that. Yeah, it's amazing how this conversation has changed. You remember the beginning of the pandemic and, of course, when the vaccines arrived in uh, Canada. We were all uh, wondering aloud, why can't we get access to the vaccine? Why is it taking so long? And now here we are uh, talking about vaccines expiring.
1: What can I say? It's it's always hammering in Canada's well-earned reputation of being a vaccine hoarder country. And that's quite disturbing, if you ask me. Yeah, originally Canada had purchased some 500 million doses. And so it was bandied about, oh, we're going to have 10 doses per person. But now that we see the definition of fully vaxxed having changed, you know, it's at least three doses. That's a minimum number. And if some, if somebody's older and, you know, compromised, we know that number is actually four doses and that's a changing rapidly figure. So we'll have to see where this is all going. But it is heartbreaking, nevertheless, to see the amount of egregious wastage happening. It, it just boils my blood. And what's so concerning is that we could be doing better. We, You know, if we had a national vaccine registry and we were keeping careful track of where all of these vaccines were going, we don't even know. In fact, the only data we have is we know 1.2 million Doses were wasted. This is of Moderna only, and that's what the federal government has told. Do the provinces say what they're each wasting? No. Once the vaccine goes to the provinces, they are not even disclosing what has gone to waste. And I think that's that's horrible. I think it's all taxpayers' money and it needs to be said. What has gone to waste? Let us know.
0: All right. Meantime, in some other uh, medical uh, headlines, uh, Health Canada, they, of course, uh, recently uh, stated uh, that they're going to start printing uh, warnings, not only on cigarette packages, but on individual uh, cigarettes. In the meantime, south of the border in the States, the FDA, Dr. Gorfinkel, they're trying to cut down on smoking by slashing the nicotine levels in cigarettes. Uh, What do you think of this uh, as a strategy in order to cut down on the rate of smoking?
1: So... Hang on here. That's a proposal that would take years to go into effect. In fact, they're not even proposing it until May of next year at best. But the proposal is exciting. We're talking about a 95% reduction in nicotine. Now, nicotine happens to be the most addictive part of cigarettes. And we know there's some over 4,000 chemicals in cigarettes and 70 known carcinogens. But the addicting part, that's what they're talking about cutting down. If Canada were to do that, just saying, think about this. A hundred people die every day prematurely from smoking-related causes times 365 days a year. Hey, that's close to 40,000 people a year that could be saved just from having that one change. Now are the cigarette companies going to go for it? I don't think so. And could it be construed as government overreach? I think good governments govern and, you know, prevent its population from getting sick. And that's certainly what this does. Imagine if it were really reduced to that extent. It would be a lot easier to quit smoking, and it would be much less likely that future people would start because it is so much less addictive.
0: Yeah, and just to be clear here, is it the nicotine that is uh, hurting people's health when it comes to smoking, or is it the fact if they reduce the nicotine, as you mentioned, it is uh, less addictive, you're less likely to want a cigarette in ingesting and inhaling uh, the smoke and other carcinogens?
1: Right, so there are two aspects to cigarette smoke. One is how addicting it is. The addicting component is nicotine. The other part is how carcinogenic it is. Well, as it turns out, there's, over, there's nearly 70 known carcinogens in a cigarette. You know, and, and if you look around Canada, another easy change we could do is just raise the age. Because you know, think about it. Quebec, Alberta, Saskatchewan, you just have to be 18 years old, you can buy cigarettes. Maybe PEI has it right. Prince Edward Island, you want to buy a pack of cigarettes? You've got to be 21. Here in Ontario, you have to be 19. Now, every year makes a huge difference in the likelihood of taking it up and becoming addictive. So that would be an easy change that provinces could do. And I'll tell you, we sure could use the money in our health system right now.
0: All right. Uh, meantime, also making some medical headlines uh, this week, uh, standing for 10 seconds, 10 seconds on one leg is a predictor when it comes to overall health and survival in those that are middle-aged and older adults. Dr. Gorfinkel?
1: This was an amazing study. So they looked at some 1,700 people. Most of them were men. 70% were men. And they said, okay, can you do this? Can you stand on one foot and take the other foot and tuck it behind your calf? So that was the position. Can you do that for 10 seconds? And if they could, over the next seven years, they were less than half as likely to die. Like uh, think about that. Yeah, what is the and,
0: correlation there? Uh, how do they arrive at that to conclusion?
1: So this is fascinating. So they followed seventeen hundred people for seven years, and some hundred twenty of them died. And what we've learned, you know, is as we get older, we get less fit, we become less muscular, less flexible, and our balance, especially, starts to go down in our sixties. So falls are a big cause of death, actually. So these this research was was actually really well done it's it, it you know controlled for age, gender, BMI comorbidities, but it had some pretty significant limitations too. They did not consider the history of falls or how fit these participants were it didn 't consider did they what their diet was or how much they exercised, and critically what medications they were on. There are a number of medications that can predict falls, and that 's worth a conversation with your doctor actually. But balance exercises, we know that reduces the likelihood of falls. It reduces the likelihood of fearing falling. And it reduces the likelihood of actually having, uh, like, even a trip. So it's kind of interesting. There are things that we can do that make life a lot better for longer.
0: All right. Great stuff, as always, Dr. Gorfinkel. Much appreciated on this Wednesday. Have a great rest of the week, and we will talk next week.
1: Always a pleasure. Thanks for having
0: me. You bet. Vaccine researcher and family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. We'll get a break here on The Jeff MacArthur Show.